everyone and welcome to Behold, the podcast where we cast our all-seeing eye over the world of comic book adaptations and try to sort the super from the substandard. Who's we? Well, I'm your host Andrew and as usual I'm joined by my co-host Mick. No. This week I am vengeance. Okay, okay, we'll do it again. Who's we? Well, I'm your host Andrew and as usual I'm joined by my co-host Vengeance. Actually, can I change my mind? Can I be Justice? I'm your host, Andrew, and as usual, I'm joined by my co-host, Justice. Actually, I'll just be Batmick. No, you had your chance. (laughs) I mean, I say you had your chance, which is, again, once again, assuming that I edit any of this out. (laughs) So, how are you doing today, Batmick? <laughs> I'm, 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 I'm a bit tired because obviously, um, sleepless nights trying to figure out the clues as to what this podcast is about, uh, who's behind the podcast, and why they're targeting me specifically to do this podcast, and also why my butler got blown up because I didn't know I had a butler. Look, you weren't responding to the Facebook messages, Mick. I had to get your attention somewhere. <laughs> but no, other, other than that, I'm fine. Spent a fortnight watching The Batman, and uh, I feel much better now. Well, there you go. I booked a fortnight's holiday in, in the summer to watch uh, the latest Bond film and The Batman again, back to back. Oh, I think you're going to need a good month for that. <laughs> anyway, I'll, just before we get started with the show, I just need to do a bit of rearranging. Because uh, oh. I decided, instead of my usual notes, I'd just spray paint the plot synopsis on the floor of my house. So I just All need right, to okay. shove my yeah. ornate family table out the way. Ah, right, cool, yeah. Because I'll, I'll give you five minutes to do that then, shall I? I mean, it's, I'm going to need possibly the runtime of the Batman to do it. All right, okay. Because I do not have Robert Pattinson's abs. <laughs> Which, in a certain light, in a certain light, uh, on the uh, when he when he's in full, uh, they call them uniforms these days, don't they? Not costumes. Oh, of course, as our good French peacemaker has told us. Yeah. Um, in certain light, it looks like his motif is inspired by Dr. Robotnik. There's a big, square, angular moustache just under his back nipples. <laughs> oh no, the Batman symbol is just a moustache. <laughs> yeah. Of course, fact... everyone knows that fateful night when a moustache crashed through young Bruce Wayne's window. <laughs> He fights crime, but only in November. <laughs> the, thing, the thing is, when I was looking for the background image for the for the zoom element, um, I spotted this. There were about four or five uh, photographs of Batman walking through what 
presumably a, a moonlit rooftop. And you couldn't see the bat symbol. That was washed. That was fairly washed out. It was just this angular moustache type shape. <laughs> uh, wow, they really went simplified with the bat world. Oh, no way. Hold on. Moustache orangs. I was going to say, if you haven't guessed, but you might not have guessed, given the Weird tangent you've already fallen off onto. Oh, let's go off on a weird tangent. That I know it's so unlikely. Like <laughs> so yes, today we are beholding the Batman, the twenty twenty two film directed by Matt Reeves, written by Matt Reeves and Peter Craig, and based on the name created by Bob Kane and the DC comic character created by Bill Finger. <laughs> And also part of the new DC The Universe. Yes, it's it's so weird that like DC's two most recent films have just been all from but the. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm I'm waiting for the Batman Returns, the Batman and Robin, the Batman Forever. God, it's going to be confusing then when like the fifth film in this franchise, no, the sixth film in this franchise is The Batman Begins. Yeah. And then The The Dark Knight Rises, in which a post-punk 80s band terrorises Gotham. Every time, <laughs> every time we do this show, it's, it's just about The The now. <laughs> And I look forward to Hal Berry reprising her role in The Catwoman. I mean... Will I? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I don't think Enjoy and That Catwoman really go in the same sentence, do they? No. no. Probably not. Anyway, we've yeah, got anyway. a limited amount of... Uh, time and bandwidth so do you want to crack on with the synopsis i do because i was, I was going to say the usual <laughs> bit of background stuff that i do i mean it's batman isn't it yeah I, um, I do not think there was a person on the planet who requires me to tell them who the batman is and if there is no. they aren't listening to this podcast yeah so yeah let's just get straight on to the plot synopsis which, if, if you've listened to our previous two episodes, this, this bit may be some familiar. Selena Carl is a cat burglar who commits her crimes in a feline-themed costume. This still is relevant because she is in the movie and played by Zoe Kravitz. <laughs> but more on her later. Bruce Wayne, played by Robert Pattinson, has been operating as the Batman for two years, striking fear into the hearts of the criminal underworld. He is contacted by Commissioner Gordon, played by Jeffrey Wright, who is maybe not a robot, who needs Batman's help to solve a series of murders where the killer has left clues in the form of riddles. Turns out that the guy leaving riddles is the Riddler, played by Paul Dano. But since Batman hasn't read his own comics, it takes him a while to figure that out. <laughs> Batman's investigation causes him to cross paths with Selina, 
and together they fight gangster Oswald Cobblepot, played by Colin Farrell, and his boss, who is also Selene's father, who is also the Jesus, who is also Carmine Falcone. Or is it Falcone? Yeah, it's Carmine Falcone, isn't it? And then Mavone yeah. is the other one. Yeah. Anyway, whatever he's called. And then they combine to form a pasta company called Macaroni. That's right. Anyway, he's played by John Turturro. Uh, as Falcone is being arrested, he is murdered by the Riddler. Batman traces the clues and unmasks Riddler as a forensic accountant called Eddie Nashton. Uh, Riddler is incarcerated in Arkham Hospital, where he reveals to Batman that he was inspired by him to wipe out all the corruption in Gotham. However, this is still all part of Riddler's plan, and bombs detonate around Gotham's seawall, flooding the city. Batman realises that Riddler's endgame is to send his minions to assassinate the mayor. He manages to stop them by punching them a lot, and then begins to help rebuild the city, vowing to inspire hope rather than fear. Also, there's so much of this stuff, like there's a bit with a Batmobile chase, and there's some nightclub stuff, and also the Joker's there, because he's always there, isn't he? Yeah. You could almost say he's eternal. Oh, uh, because he's, uh, he's, uh, he's old uh, Bazakion. Ah, uh, you see? See what I did there? <laughs> Actually, yes. Based on my new theory of all films, Joker is now just the eternal druid when he was bored for a few days. <laughs> anyway, yeah, look, The Batman is a three-hour-long film. It's too much to synopsize. So those are just the very broad strokes. Yeah. I think, I think the problem... I think the problem with it is that they quite rightly went down the route of, hey, for the last 70-odd years, Batman has been referred to as the world's greatest detective, and yet we never see him detecting in any of the films. We just see him doing car chases and punching a lot. What they should have done is just done the detecting instead not as well as <laughs> all the car chases and the punching a lot. I mean, obviously, we want to see a bit of punching because it's Batman. But yeah, it felt like it. It felt like two films combined. Yeah, they. It's just, it's weird you say that because this film does take a lot of inspiration from the the comic book, The Long Halloween. Mm. I feel like it almost would have worked better if they had split it into like a part one and part two like they did with the animated long Halloween film. Yeah. Although I say that, I did watch those films back to back. <laughs> well, why would you not? Yeah, but I just think it does kind of undercut my point a little bit. <laughs> um... Yeah, I think I think part of the problem here is that they're, they're quite evidently trying to set off their own shared universe. So we know that there's a Riddler TV series coming. Um, there was a... Yeah, a, which... 
No, 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 it's Penguin. Who's getting Sorry, Penguin yeah, TV Pen- series. There's a Penguin TV series coming. Um, there, there was rumours of a Gotham uh, PD series, which I believe has now been axed. Oh, I think also th- that one I was actually quite looking forward to. I think so. Um, there's also um, talk of a Arkham Asylum series, uh, which is going to have more of a horror feel to it. And I feel like the reason the runtime on this is so long is that it's trying to springboard all these ideas. It's almost like it's a test reel for all these ideas. There's, I wouldn't be at all surprised if we didn't see a spin-off of Catwoman as well. Um, yeah, yeah, there was a bit of a sense of... Uh... We've got the plot of the film, and then we've also got a big long list of Batman things that we need to include. Yeah, that's it. It's um, it, it does feel like there was a tick box, and it was like you know, elements of the script possibly in in, a, in an early draft had um, potential spin-off projects. One says, <laughs> yeah, and even I think it's not even just spin-offs; it's also just we've got a list of things that people expect, so we've got to put them in. Like, as much as I think it looks really cool, I I don't think you really needed the Batmobile in this. No, and and, and this is the thing. It's like the the Batmobile and and the Bat, insert gadget name here, or vehicle name here, those are what are associated with the all-action, punchy-punchy Batman. If you're doing the world's greatest detective version of Batman, you don't need all the gadgetry, except possibly some crime scene analysis stuff. Um, and yeah. if, if and even then about... with that, I felt like you've got to be careful. Because mm. it's like, it's the thing in the Arkham games that wouldn't really work in a film is when he's just got the detective vision. Yeah. Because, <laughs> right, I'll, I'll just press this solve the crime button. <laughs> But, again, you mentioned the Arkham games. They were hugely successful and were based around him detecting crime. Yes, there was combat involved, but essentially you were following clues and trying to piece together the the effect. And it wasn't until Arkham Knight that they introduced the Batmobile properly. Well, well, I'd argue with the use of the word properly there. (laughs) Well... (laughs) But as a, as an actual thing you could use, there were there were pictures. Again, I'd argue with your choice of words. I've what? tried to drive the Batmobile. You you do <laughs> not use it. You just point in a direction and hope for the best, and then just do whatever quest that you end up at, which usually is not the quest you wanted to and, do. And of course, let's let let's just put aside for one moment the question of if the batman's code is is to not kill because that would make him as bad as the joker why has he got a batmobile armed with missiles that could take out a heavy armored tank i mean yes like this is basically my problem with every batman thing like for the past decade <laughs> If if Batman's a non-lethal vigilante, why does he have so many guns? <laughs> yeah, so... But yeah, so... Let, sh- 
where did you kick off your synopsis? You kicked it off with Selena Kyle. Yes. And yes, folks, in this film, that Catwoman is Selena Kyle, the way it should be. I have no patience for other. Oh, I, hey, I see what you did. Hey. So, I thought Zoe Kravitz was really rather good. Yeah, I'd, I'd say she was probably my favourite thing in this film. Yeah. Um, she she managed she managed to do. Um, the same kind of cat-like, feline, graceful movement element that Michelle Pfeiffer did, but without going into the over-the-top feline features, like actually washing like a cat. Yeah, and without the weird sort of like pendulum walk that Halle Berry does. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, and it was a nice, sleek, classic Catwoman look as well. Yeah, I think I think that's one of the things about Catwoman is her costume does work when it's just like very minimal. Like yeah. you just need sort of like black bodysuits, and then a mask that's got like some kind of hint of V's. Yeah, it, it doesn't need to be full on. I mean, I I get I get with the. The Batman Returns Catwoman costume, it, it was to give it that homemade look because we actually see her making the costume at home. But obviously in this one, Selena's a bit of a professional and she's probably had that costume, sorry, uniform designed by someone. How can they be uniforms? Uniforms all look the same. Yes, they're literally the exact opposite of a uniform. Yeah. I mean, you know, yes, it's a uniform in Reign of the Supermen. <laughs> it's almost like Peacemaker doesn't make entirely valid points. I know. <laughs> um, so, yeah, Selena Kyle, very, very good. She can come back for a proposed sequel. Yeah, I mean, I think in general... Kind of casting wise, I thought everyone was was very good. Yeah. Um, Colin Farrell. That was Colin Farrell, was it? That was and Colin Edward. Farrell, which is yeah, he's like literally unrecognizable. It isn't he. I mean, you know, that's that's not a bloke in a fat suit, is it? That's just... <laughs> yeah, I. Th think there's definitely like some prosthetics that he's got on but oh, they're really good yeah like it's he he does not look like he's from dick tracy does he no <laughs> um no but but it's true that there are there are films where they, they, they've been made up to look completely different either aged even in the modern era uh, they've been made to look aged, or they've been made to look um, oh, Mick. more rotund. Well, why did you have to remind me of Guy Pearce and Prometheus? <laughs> and when you've looked at them, especially in these days of 4K um, 
presentation, you can tell that it's prosthetics that are doing it. Whereas with yeah, when Penguin, Actually, oh, I know what a good comparison. Like Chris Hemsworth in Avengers Endgame, like that's the fat Thor. Yeah, exactly. I, th- I think that's right, very clearly a fat suit that he is wearing. Yeah. Whereas this was, I I started watching um, the Batman, and the Penguin made his first entrance, and I thought I thought Colin Farrell was supposed to be Penguin. That's how much of a transformation it is, and how indistinguishable the the prosthetics are. Yeah, like I think certainly if you didn't know it was him, like you you probably wouldn't guess. You'd be straight off to IMDb, wouldn't you? Oh, play penguin in there. Yeah, did they, did they somehow like de-age Robert De Niro? <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's it's that kind of a difference, isn't it? It, it literally looks like someone else, not. Colin Farrell made up to look like the Penguin. Yeah, it's a really good job. And I think it's a good job of making him look kind of like the comic book character, but without going overboard. Yeah. Because obviously Penguin is one of those like very exaggerated designs. Yeah. I mean, I I liked what they did with it in the Gotham TV series. Oh, yeah. I've seen that where he's more like a, a skinny guy. Where, yeah, where he's a skinny guy, he's got a funny walk because he gets injured early on. Oh, so he's, he's got a waddle. his leg never properly healed, so he's got a waddle. But there's an explanation as to why he's called Peng. He's got a slightly beaky nose. And he waddles because of this injury. Much less cartoony than, say, Burgess Meredith. Or Danny DeVito. That being said, I can't wait for the sequel where Colin Farrell just has a load of trick umbrellas. <laughs> Actually, I'd I say that I would genuinely love if it starts off like we get the Batman, which is a very grim and gritty, serious film, and they just get gradually camper and weirder until they're just like the 60s Batman. Well, bearing in mind that this is uh, that Patterson is playing the Batman two years into his career. And presumably, um, Ben Affleck is Batman much later in his career. We need to have exploding robot penguins. Because the replacement, Alfred Pennyworth, told us that that happened. Actually, yeah. Yeah, that's as as much as... Robert Patterson turning into Ben Affleck. I'm not sure Andy Serkis is going to turn into Jeremy Irons. Well, I, I, I suspect that what, what they'll do is they'll retcon it and, you know, um, maybe Alfred Penny, Pennyworth Senior doesn't survive the injuries he sustains in this film. <laughs> and his son takes over and slowly ages into Jeremy Irons. Wait, so so Jeremy, he starts off younger than Andy Serkis and then ages to Jeremy Irons in the time that Robert Patterson ages into Ben Affleck. I mean, he, he, might, he might be at university at the moment. Alfred Pennyworth Jr. But... 
But surely that means that he has to be younger than Batman. Yes, but, and this is the crucial thing you've got to remember, he undergoes premature aging because comics. Of course. <laughs> Maybe the calendar man can do it. Exactly. You see, it. you can... That's the beauty about comic strip adaptations. You can make any theory work. Of course, yeah. What, what we're just describing is the plot of Batman 4, where yeah. Alfred has to defuse Calendar Man's literal time bomb while Batman is yeah. busy chasing the petty plunderer. <laughs> I think, I think in this, if you think about this, dark and gritty Batman that explores themes of social inequality as we're following the poverty-stricken inhabitants of Gotham some of them are going to work in fast food restaurants some of them are going to be embittered employees of fast food restaurants yes. I reckon Batman 5 features the Condiment King I mean call us Warner Brothers we've, we've got it <laughs> Yeah, no. I'll, I'll say. I can see the tagline now: Batman Five, Batman versus the Condiment King, the first villain who's as keen as mustard. Oh dear. I think we just have to end the show. Now. <laughs> so we've covered Catwoman. We've covered Penguin. I mean, we should probably talk about Riddler. Oh yeah, or we could talk about the Riddler. I mean, we we could talk about um, Robert Pattinson's turn as Bruce Wayne stroke Batman, but I did the whole goth thing back in the 80s. You know, when the only person who looked like Robert Smith from The Cure was Robert Smith from The Cure. Oh, no, you've, you've got there first. I have to scrap a whole line of jokes. <laughs> I mean, uh, I suppose it's a good thing that Catwoman left him at the end, since he can only commit to, like, a one-day-a-week relationship. <laughs> ah, yeah. But, but <gasps> and Catwoman. he loves cats! <laughs> okay, I'm, I'm done with this now. <laughs> And the reason he's so hard is because boys don't cry. Of course. But yeah, I, I like oh, that he's kind I, of... You know the whole thing about non-lethal vigilante? Isn't Raz al Ghul sort of Arabic? He is. I'm trying to like think where you're going with this. The cure song, Killing an Arab. Oh, I, I don't know that one. Uh, it's a good one. Huh? Google it. Not now, obviously. I mean, I'll pad out the entire if we, I mean, we'll also get absolutely destroyed by a copyright strike if we just play the cure. <laughs> but yeah, I, um, I, I liked Pattinson's performance. 
And this is the first time I've enjoyed Pattinson in a film. Ever. <laughs> yeah, 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 there was no there was no end to that sentence. Well, that was the end of that sentence. I watched 20 minutes of the first Twilight movie. That's right. I mean, he was pretty good in Tenet, I thought. I've not seen Tenet. It's... I really should. I understand it's difficult to understand, not because of the plot, but because of the dialogue bits. Yeah, I feel like it, it's hard to hear the dialogue and the bits you do hear make it seem like you're probably best off not hearing the rest of it. <laughs> so, uh, there was another one. Was it Cosmopolis? Oh, yeah, where he's in like a, a limo. Yeah, and no. And I don't think that was him. I think that was just... Yeah, I, I just found that film like quite pretentious. Yeah. Also, that so, film has the blob in it from X-Men Origins Wolverine. It has the blob. The blob. <laughs> Who is also the Floronic Man. Oh, yes. Right. Yeah, so I, I thought it was good, but I thought... I thought it was a bit... I'm, I'm not sure about emo superheroes. I didn't think emo Tobey Maguire worked in Spider-Man. And I'm not sure an emo Bruce Wayne works either. I don't know. I mean, I think if there's one hero that's going to be skulking about the house covered in dark makeup, I feel like it's Batman. <laughs> he's just... He's a, he's a very dramatic man, Mick. <laughs> He's the kind of guy who, like, goes on a long diatribe about how the only one he can trust is himself and he does all his best work alone while he's surrounded by, like, his seven orphan sons and, like, <laughs> 20 bat women and his butler who's also his dad and his dog well, and Batmite. Um, I think... <laughs> of course, Batmite. But I think... I think the problem for me with it is that um, Bruce Wayne's supposed to be the alter ego and Bruce Wayne just feels like an extension of Batman in this film. There's less difference between yeah. Bruce Wayne in the mask and Bruce Wayne out. I think that kind of works, though, because, again, it's the idea that it's still Batman early doors. Yeah. So, like, just, I mean, and I think that's, like, part of the plot of the film is he just he doesn't really have a reason to be Bruce Wayne yet yeah true like I feel like that's what it's leading to at the end of the film with him wanting to inspire more hope is this is probably going to be what makes him do more of the like billionaire philanthropist part right okay anyway Okay. So, so yes, I, I think where we're up to now is we have to talk about the most important thing about Batman. Which is that I, I quite Riddle. no, no. The fact that Batman has a little oh. collar on his outfit and I quite like it. Yeah, a little well, collar just on his outfit. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, 
that that gives scope then, doesn't it? Because you can put on a bat tie for more formal occasions. Exactly like it. You can't do that with a co- <laughs> Actually, good. I'm I'm sure that feels like it's out of the Adam West TV series where he needs to like get in a club, but he can't because there's black tie. <laughs> <laughs> Never mind, old chum. Yeah, in I think it's a good Batman costume. Yeah. Yeah. It's got that... It's slightly more... It's slightly more... Professional than a homemade uniform. Uh, because he's a billionaire. But it's also rough around the edges because it's clear he didn't really know what he was going for. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, there's, like, bits on the gauntlets, like, with the grappling hook where you can kind of, like, see the, the mechanism. Yeah, yeah. It's not the polished... polished thing that we get in, like, Batman 89 or... Yeah, or, like, the, the Christopher Nolan films. I liked it. I like. <clears throat> I kind of like the performance with the with the um, reservations I had before about the duality wasn't really there, um, but because the thing is, Bruce Wayne has always been millionaire playboy Bruce Wayne or billionaire playboy Bruce Wayne. And you don't really get any sense of joy from our Pat's performance. It's not like Bruce Wayne's enjoying life as a billionaire. Yeah, but again, I think that's part of the point of the film. It's kind of saying that's why he does need to do stuff like that. Because it doesn't work when you're just an angry, punchy man. (laughs) Angry, punchy man. I also like that because it's like it's giving Zack Snyder's Batman a deliberate middle finger. <laughs> like, right, Snyder fans, the thing you like, this is why it's bad. <laughs> and I, I think he, I think the the beauty of this is because let's be honest, when Michael Keaton donned the bat suit in '89, we were promised a darker, grittier take on Batman but actually when you look at it with some of the some of the colour and some of the camera angles and the fact that even the nighttime scenes are quite brightly lit it's actually the spiritual successor to the 66 Batman um, and even the Nolan trilogy is still quite bright and breezy compared to this, I mean, this does dark and gritty. You feel, you feel soiled by Gotham when you finish. Yeah, it's it. such a dirty city, which I like a lot. Yeah, I mean, and there are very, very few sort of bright points in it from from the point of view of daylight scenes and. Um, well-lit, air-conditioned rooms and those kind of things. Even the nice offices aren't that nice. 
yeah, it's still got that kind of layer of grime over it. Uh, yeah, I mean, for a, for a nightclub, the Iceberg Lounge looks, <laughs> looks dingy as hell. It really does. I mean, <laughs> you you would but not go in that it's, club. It's you would like, take one look inside and go, oh, we're in the rough <laughs> part of town. <laughs> it's the kind of club where you'd... Uh... You'd queue up outside, the bouncer would turn you away because you haven't got a tie on. You go away, you put a tie on, he lets you in and you go, hmm. <laughs> I went through all that for this. Yeah, and you, you certainly wouldn't drink anything. No, no. It's the kind of place where when you got served your drink, you'd be going, why is the outside of the glass sticky? <laughs> but yeah, the, this is a Gotham City that I can believe is like the Gotham City from the comics, which has like yeah. multiple hidden societies buried underneath it, and is also built on top yeah. of an actual demon. Yes, it, it, it is that kind of a. It, it's the it, it it's a it's a Gotham that asks the question: Is it the crime that turns Gotham into the city it is, or is it the city that turns the criminals into the criminals they are? It's. Yeah. yeah, and I think that the film definitely does that very deliberately with like some of the dialogue as well. Like they always refer to Gotham kind of like it's a living thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that's, cool. that's what I want from a Batman film. Yes. Yeah, this is it. We, we want it to be... We want it to be a dirty series that... Um, no, no, sorry, a dirty city that... Uh, because if you if you put it in the context of the angry fighty Batman that we're used to, it's only a city like that that deserves that kind of vigilante justice. You know, when someone has someone has uh, sort of single minded and vicious as the Batman is your only hope of salvation. The city itself needs that. There should be no light points. There should be no havens in that city. Yeah. It should be like Sin City. I was going to say, I guess it's the kind of city you get when you name one of your streets Crime Alley. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which really, Thomas, if I were you, I would not lead my family down there. No. We're going to take a shortcut. Oh, where through? Uh, Crime Alley. Oh, <laughs> it's just a name. I mean, in his defence, I guess all of Gotham is just Crime just Alley, off, isn't it? Yeah, it's just, it's just off Gunfight Avenue. And Stabbings Lane. On the way to, <laughs> on the way to Mugging Square. I mean, to be fair, we're almost building like a Discworld type thing, where just all the crime has like its defined districts. Yeah. Oh, oh, you must be in the indecent assault quarter. <laughs> oh, now hold on. Now you did do a stabbing in Gunfight Square, so you are going to have to get fined for that. Yeah. God, really, really brings a whole new meaning to. Crime Alley's just a yes. free-for-all. You can do anything there. It's like international waters. 
<laughs> also, speaking of, that's one thing I appreciated a lot in this film, is we did not get yet another scene of pearls falling on the ground while a gun goes off. That's true. Yes, I, I, I like the fact that, that although that almost like it's a contractual obligation to cover the origin story, they didn't do it in a traditional way of showing us Thomas and Martha leaving the theatre and young Bruce being traumatised. We didn't get any of that. No flashback. Also, the other big advantage of getting a flashback is we don't know what film they went to see because people have worked it out. And if this Batman is set kind of in 2022-ish, that means yeah. that Bruce Wayne's parents were killed when he was about 10. So that's 2001-ish. So there's a yeah. very good chance that Bruce Wayne's parents, when they were killed, had taken him to see Shrek. <laughs> oh, that would have led to quite a different reality. Yes. Ba Batman swoops down from the rooftop to confront a mugger and goes, Get out of my swamp! And he's just got a tiny little boom box on his belt that just blasts out All Star. <laughs> Instead of robbing his sidekick, he's a donkey. <laughs> Catwoman played by Princess Fiona. And at night, she also turns into a Batman? Oh, the villain's played by John Lithgow, though. Ooh, that, that I do like. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, then it could be just like the one good season of Dexter. <laughs> Did we actually talk about Paul Dano as the Riddler? I'm not sure we did. No, we didn't. I was going to. And then you 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 swerved us off into the title character for some reason, like that's relevant. And because that's that because that's our brand, isn't it? Relevant. You're right, I'm sorry. That that wasn't in the spirit of the whole at all. <laughs> but anyway, yeah, I liked Paul Dano as the fifth ninja turtle. <laughs> it was. I I really liked it because I, because I think even more so than the Joker, every iteration of Riddler has been too over. He's he's probably the least believable of all the villains in the various live action um, portrayals of him. Um, and yet. He never seems like he's a threat because he's always giving you clues that the world's greatest detective can then go and solve and catch him and stop his wave of crime. Yeah, and I think I think this that's why a, he's not this is a not been better. in like that many of the live action things because yeah. he's quite a hard villain. Like, like you say, how how do you make him a threat when he basically tells you how to beat him? Yeah, um, but this one is different. The clues aren't about how to catch him. Um, and 
this is quite obviously a man who's graduating from being a serial killer to being a mass murderer. And it's almost as insane as the Joker because he's absolutely convinced that he's right. I do wish he had a suit covered um, in question but, marks, though. Uh, well, this is it. They've taken away all those comic-y gimmicks of the question mark motif on the suit and um, the Edward Nigma. Yeah, which, um, fine, I'll, I'll give you that film, is you maybe in this day and age cannot have the Riddler's real name be Enigma. Especially because yeah. that makes Batman um, just look like an absolute moron, doesn't it? Like, who could the Riddler yeah. be? <laughs> it's such an, uh, oh, what's that word? It's another word for puzzle. Um, conundrum! <laughs> I mean, maybe, maybe that's how you do it. Maybe you just have him look through a phone book and there's just like, Peter Ozor, Constance Nundrum. <laughs> yes. Rules out. Rules her out immediately because she's female. Arthur Logic Puzzle. Because look, sometimes you have. <laughs> Yeah, I I liked that they did they managed to strip that away, but still made yeah, him feel I, I, I like the Riddler and like more than just some guy. Yeah, and I think um I think I've come across that alter that alter ego name before. I think I've seen something else where Riddler's been called Nash or Nashton. Yes, I think they started doing it in the comics. Um, I'm not sure if it was like the new 52 or before then. But yeah, it was similar to this. It was one of those things where it's just, no, even for this, it's a bit silly to have a man called the Riddler whose real name is Edward Nigma. Because <laughs> that's, yeah. that's not a name. No. It's, it, to be fair, is not as bad as the one story I remember where they tried to give Joker an origin and decided that his real name was Joseph Kerr. Oh, God, no. No, 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 no. I mean, I'll accept Blackagog Baltagon, but that's too far. <laughs> Um, yeah, I liked it. I like I like the fact that he he felt like he was a a level one threat, whereas it put this this portrayal of um, Riddler. I think makes him more on an equal footing with Joker because traditionally in the Batman movie franchises. It's been the Joker and every other villain. Catwoman sits slightly separate from that because she's 
she flips and flops between Ally and Villainess. But yeah, I think actually, yeah, that's probably even more than what we've talked about. That's where the biggest problem for the Riddler is: is that traditionally he is Batman's smartest villain, but then you get this idea of no, no, the Joker has to be the best at everything, and so suddenly there's like yeah. not really a place for him. But yeah, I'd have to say I'd like it in a sequel if maybe Joker's like got the overall plan, but Riddler's the guy who can actually put things into motion. Yeah. Yeah. A bit well they've they've done that in the past with Two Face, haven't they? That Joker's been controlling Two Face. Yeah, yeah, because that was basically Dark Knight, wasn't it? Yeah. And I thought Carmine Falcone was very well done. Or Falcone. Oh yeah, he is. He's just he's one of those characters where you just John Turturro's clearly having a great time. Yeah, yeah, it's um he's not uh he's not over the top. It's it's not like hey this is how I would have played it had I got that role in Goodfellas or The Godfather. This is very definitely... I know who Carmine Falcone is. I absolutely know who he is. And uh, to make him look like the usual Batman mask villain, I'm going to wear sunglasses all the way through it, regardless of how dark the villain Yes, is in a film set almost entirely at night, <laughs> he wears nothing but sunglasses. <laughs> But I thought it was quite a nice. Um, I thought there was quite a nice little twist um, in the retelling of the origin story for Batman, and also in the relationship with um, Selina. Yeah, which again, that's. I'm not sure if it's from the Long Halloween or it might be from Dark Victory, which is like the sequel series. But that's a, that's a thing that's taken directly from the comics. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's good because it makes her like a more central part of the plot. Yes. Yeah. Because um, I think it's a problem. Circuses. Circuses Pennyworth, I've got a problem with. And I don't know why. It's something I can't put my finger on. I think it's because. With the exception of Sean Pertwee's action Alfred in Gotham and the Pennyworth that we see in Pennyworth the series, ever since Michael Goff was um, Alfred, he's been a sort of warm friendly, almost grandfatherly figure. And Andy Serkis isn't. You don't get that you don't get the feel of the same bond between him and Bruce that you do with some of the other iterations of Alfred. See I think that's something I'm probably gonna need a few films before I'll know how I think about it. Because it's again, I don't yeah. know if that's maybe Again, something they're going to build towards. Mm. 
And it, it, it's possible. It, it just... Normally, normally it's it, it's a character that you warm to immediately. Yeah, I think... I just think my problem with Alfred in this for me is just that he's not really in enough of it. Because obviously he gets blown up partway through until he's out of action for a big chunk of the film. Yeah. Yeah. So I feel like maybe if there'd been a bit more like about the kind of strange relationship between the two, it might have settled in a bit more rather than, like you say, just being a bit, well, how come he's not like the Alfred I know? Yeah. Um... So do I think well one idea I've seen that I quite like is the idea that like you've got an Alfred who's kind of failed at being a dad for Bruce. So when Robin gets introduced, that's kind of like a second chance for him as well. Right. Yeah. But I, it's it's one of those things like is there too much other stuff going on in this film to give him the um the room. Oh, the room. absolutely. I think because, that ties a bit to the first thing we yeah, said is there's it, just, there's a bit too much in this film. Yeah. Um, because it's, it, it, it's like we talk when we're doing the, the TV series bits of Behold. It's, it's that thing of, no, I don't want to wait till episode six for you to get good in some aspect of this show. I want you to be good from like episode one or two. I'll allow you episode one for setup and world building, but episode by episode two I should know exactly where we're going. Yeah. Because I mean even even Peacemaker episode one was just a lot of setup. Yeah. Which is understandable because some people won't have seen the Suicide Squad. So you've got to do some yeah. world building. And even there. people who have, you've got to go this guy who was like an irredeemable asshole in Suicide Squad. This is why you want to watch a whole TV series about him. Yeah. Uh, still so, it's not Weasel. Uh, but, but not Weasel um, yet. James Gunn has said there's more spin-offs in the works. Um... Yeah, so it's for a film this long uh, to still have a major part of the, the Batman universe underdeveloped in that way is a little bit of a miss. Yeah, I mean, I think in, in general probably the Batman has its problems but overall I'd say I still enjoyed it. I did enjoy it. I will watch it again. Yeah, yeah. You, you will watch it again with some foreplanning. <laughs> I mean, let's be honest, it's not Zack Snyder's Justice League, is it? No, I'd, I'd say it's not even 30 Days of Night. Because um, this is no. a three-hour film that feels like a three-hour film. Not a two-and-a-half-hour yeah. film that feels like a year. Like a three-day film. <laughs> uh, so shall we and I like uh, 
Well, I, d- I did like I did like the supporting characters, the way that they were built up, the way that they built up the layers of corruption in Gotham's hierarchy, from the district attorney through to the mayor, through to um, the hints at a dark past for the the Waynes and and stuff like that. Um, I thought that was really well done. So I think we take it. Are we taking it to the rankings? We are indeed. I was going to say take it to the ranking okay. zone, but I, I don't like that. I don't like that at all. No. Um, so, yeah, it is time for the Batman to go on our list of comic book films. Gone from A History of okay. Violence at number one, all the way down to Nick Fury, Agent of S.H.I.E.L.D. at number 34. <laughs> you mean 35? Yeah, I mean 35, let's be real. <laughs> I mean, so just to kick things off, Batman-wise, we've got Batman Returns at number 21. Definitely rank it higher than that. Yeah. Trying to think where have we got? Things. Uh, let's let's maybe run through list items eleven to fifteen. See how we feel. Okay. So number eleven, we've got Birds of Prey, the twenty twenty film. Number twelve, we've got Spider Man No Way Home. Number thirteen, we've got Shang Chi. Number fourteen, we've got Iron Man, and number fifteen, we've got Blade. I personally preferred The Batman to um, The NeverEnding Story 4. I mean, Shang-Chi and The Legend of the Ten Rings. Yeah, that's certainly about where I was looking at it. Um... I don't think I, I don't think you could say that it beats Birds of Prey for fun factor. Yeah, Birds of Prey... I definitely liked more overall. Spider-Man No Way Home. I'd I'd be tempted to put the Batman below No Way Home. Unless you disagree. Hmm. I mean, for me, No Way Home would be above Shang-Chi anyway. Well, it is. <laughs> yeah, that's, oh, is that's what I mean. We've got Birds of Prey right. at 11, yeah. No Way oh. Home at 12, Shang-Chi at 13. Yes. As long as, as long as it's above Shang-Chi and Nick Fury is at 35, I'm happy. Okay, well, let's put the Batman in as our new number 13. Unlucky for some, but not for the Batman. I guess unlucky for the Riddler. Actually, it's kind of unlucky for the Batman because Batman Returns has been pushed further down now. Hasn't it? Oh yeah, but a, a different Batman to this Batman. An older Batman. Indeed, a Batman from a different part of the multiverse. Actually, you know what? 
I'm almost tempted to what? switch things around and put the Batman above No Way Home. Because No Way Home is kicked off this whole, Ooh. oh, we're going to bring back all the characters from all the old films. What's that? Did you not watch this, like, one film from <laughs> several decades ago? <laughs> Tough luck. It's all important now. <laughs> you better go back and watch the Batman 1940s movie serials because they're going to be critical for the next DC event. <laughs> we found the one surviving actor from them. <laughs> and he's, he's going to reprise his role, role, uh, role of goon number 37. Yep, for Crisis on Infinite Earths, the movie. And we've got we've got a CGI reanimated Charlton Heston to play the the Elseworld Batman. Yes. It's finally it's the fight everyone's been waiting for. Cancelled TV series Swamp Thing versus terrible movie Swamp Thing. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm doing it. This is this is what you've caused No Way Home. You can be 13 now. You deserve <laughs> the bad luck. Batman, you're 12. <laughs> right, well. Indeed it then. is. That's our work here done. We did it. It took us less than three hours. Excellent. That's what I like to hear. And... What I'm sure the listeners like to hear is that that's about it. No, wait. I was just using that as a segue, but I feel like I shouldn't say that what the listeners want to hear is that the show is finished. Oh, are you, are you, are you, are you going to do a post-credit sequence now? Is that, is that what you're going to do? Um, oh, God. Do, do, do you have like the weird website set up that we can link to? <laughs> oh, actually, that just reminded me of one of my favourite bits is just Penguin berating Batman because he doesn't speak Spanish. <laughs> anyway, that is about it from us. If you want to listen to more, you can find all our episodes on the feed or wherever you get your podcasts. And if you subscribe to the show, you'll make sure you never miss an episode. If you want to get in touch, our email is beholdpod at gmail.com or you can follow us on Twitter at beholdpod. Also, if you're a fan, We'd really appreciate it if you left us a review on your podcast app of choice or just recommended us to a friend. It's the best way for us to grow as the show and reach new listeners. So that's everything. Until next time, I've been Andrew. And I've been Meg. So long and thanks for listening. 